You know, you may have heard this expression uh, sometimes used for moms. They say a mother is only as happy as what? Her unhappiest child. Mom's only as happy as her unhappiest child. I don't know if that's true, and I'm not a mother. I don't know how obvious this is when you look at me, but I'm not a woman. Um, but as priests, we know thousands of mothers, and I will say that a lot of the mothers I know will testify that that is true. I will say this, one thing I know is true is this, that as moms, we hold our children's hands for a while, but we hold their hearts forever. We hold their hands for a while, but we hold their hearts forever, and that includes, as you know, when our children get older, and they go on and they move on, or maybe even if our children die before we do. We still have them in our heart, and we always have this spiritual umbilical cord as a mom to these kids. You know, I've shared with you before, when I used to visit the men on death row for the state of Tennessee at Riverbend Correctional Facility in Nashville, the one thing that all these men on death row wanted to talk about, their mother, their mom. Not all of them had a good experience with their mother, but they were all very emotionally when they talked about mom. You know, it's, a, it's amazing, isn't it? You know, there's some of you that have more experience than I do in medicine can explain this to me. I'm, I'm amazed. Think about this, like, as a mother, <laughs> you've got another human being living in your body for nine months, upside down, immersed in liquid, but they don't drown or have webbed feet. I mean, explain this to me. How is, how is that possible? Unless, of course, I don't know, God might just know what he's doing. Could be. But it, it's amazing the, the impact, as St. Edith Stein said, she calls the nurturing nature of the feminine soul, of a mother's soul, St. Edith Stein. We hold their hands for a while, but we hold their hearts forever. And that's not always butterflies and rainbows, folks. Sometimes it's hard. In 1990, um, 1992, they had an outbreak of Ebola in uh, Sierra Leone and Ghana and West Africa. And as you know, Ebola is an immensely, very deadly disease, horrible way to die. And the World Health Organization went to uh, Sierra Leone and Ghana and Liberia, and they set up this hospital, these hospitals. And so in, 19, in uh, 2017, I went to go and visit one of these hospitals in Sierra Leone in West Africa. And I went to the maternity ward, and I may have shared this with some of you before, but it bears mentioning again, the maternity ward there, I say in quotes, there's no electricity, no running water, no functioning toilets in this hospital. They had no linens, no towels, nothing. I walked into the maternity ward and there was one big room, three mattresses on the floor, and each mother with a newborn baby was on a bare mattress with no pillow and no sheets. Her baby, mattress, nothing else. 
Oh, and by the way, her other children were around her mattress on the floor. So we had three mothers, three newborn babies, and all their children. That's the maternity ward. And I walked in, and, you know, I'm stunned. I'm like, can, can we not get these ladies a pillow? A, a mattress? You know, like a, a sheet? Is that too much to ask? Yeah, actually it was. They would never expect it. So I'm looking at them, and my heart is just aching, you know, and I'm looking at them, and these ladies with these newborn babies were glowing. This is the joy of this new, being a, a mom and nursing their child. They weren't even thinking about it. And I was like, oh my gosh. It's the power of maternity, right? It's just amazing. We hold their hands for a while, but their hearts forever. It's a beautiful thing and a tough thing. You know, in Luke's gospel, you know what it says? Seven important words at the blessed, about the Blessed Mother. It says this about Mary. It says, quote, Mary pondered these things in her heart. The heart of a mother. Mary pondered these things in her heart. It, she was thinking about her son when they lost him for, twel- for, for all this time, and she found him when he was 12. And he said, but didn't you know that I would be with my father praying? And it says she pondered these things in her heart. If I had done that to my mother, my mother would have grabbed me by my ear and dragged me across the state of Tennessee. They'd never find my body, okay? But Mary's, she's amazing. Mary pondered these things in her heart, yeah? Gentlemen, I want to talk to the men here for a second. I want to talk to, specifically to the men here. Are, are you aware of everything that your wife goes through as a mom? Are you aware of everything she goes through? Gentlemen, are you aware of everything your mom goes through? Just bear with me. I want to share with you, brothers, some of the things that I have heard and I see in my ministry about moms, okay? Number one, overnight, a lot of times young women will go from being a relatively carefree young woman to being a mom. They find out they're going to have a baby, and there's excitement and like, oh my gosh, how are we going to do this? And so they get protective overnight. Do you know that mother, gentlemen, did you know that moms deeply internalize the bad decisions of their children? Deeply internalize the bad decisions their children make. As if it's my fault. I must be a bad parent. Now I can tell them, no, it has nothing to do with you. They're a grown adult, they're going to make their own decisions, but they still think that, gentlemen. So let me tell you, brothers, what we shouldn't do, okay? When, when your wife is worried about your kids, what do you not tell them, gentlemen? If she's worried, what do you not say? Honey, don't worry. Because then you got two problems, brothers. Okay? She's going to worry. 
I mean, asking a mother not to worry is like asking, can you just hold your breath the rest of your life? I mean, she's going to worry. But she internalizes those decisions, okay? As, as, you know, we know that, okay? Our, our children are gun adults. They're going to make their own decisions, but she still internalizes that. So what do we do? We listen. Mothers often struggle with this. Should I be my, a parent to this child or should I be a friend to this child? What do you think? We be a parent first and a friend later. That's what it comes down to. You know, when I was growing up, I was complaining to my mom. When I was a teenager, I was complaining to her because everybody had a later curfew than me, and I was complaining to my mom. And she said, honey, I don't know what to tell you. Some people have nice mothers. Some people have mean mothers. You have a mean mother. Get over it. And by the way, if that's a problem, go tell your shrink. That's what she said. No mercy, right? But in my mom's defense, her point was, I'm not here to be your friend. I'm here to be your parent. And when you're adult, now we can have more of a colleague situation, right? But at the end of the day, you're the parent. And that's tough because a lot of parents want to be buddy-buddy with their kids. I've never met a mother that feels like they spent enough time with their kids. Moms often deeply internalize, feel like I've not spent enough time with my children. I need to do more. I need to do more. I need to do more. Have you noticed, <laughs> um, those of you that are mothers and grandmothers, have you ever noticed this? Often our family, our spouse, or our children, they'll come to us for advice and we give them advice, and they ignore that advice. Or they interpret it as nagging. If it's any consolation, I can tell you as priest, same thing. People ask our advice, and they promptly ignore everything we say. John Paul II used to say that his authority extends to the threshold of the Vatican. and nowhere else. In other words, people promptly ignore what he says. And we feel that way. So as a, as a gentleman, if, you're, if your wife feels that way, if, whenever she, if she feels like she's nagging, right, what do you think she's going to do? Just keep my mouth shut. I can tell you that does a lot for good communication. So what do we do? We listen, brothers. Do you know that moms have sat through thousands and thousands and hours of watching the same Disney princess movie over and over again. Thousands of hours of watching the same Disney princess movie. Thousands of hours of a drop-off pickup line at school and thousands of hours at soccer practice, baseball practice, football practice. Man, I was out here a few weeks ago talking to one of the mothers. She was at soccer practice and I and she was, I saw her out there every day, and I went up to her, and I said, why, are you, why do you do this? Like, why do you, you come out every day to, I said, why do you do this? She said, Father, if I didn't, they'd call DHS on me. And I said, well, whatever it takes. But, you know, she loves her kids. Hours dedicated to this, hours. Juggling stress of work schedules and paying tuition. Whew. It's a lot of checks written. You know, um, 
one of the other struggles that mothers have, do I tell my child about this world? Do I tell them about some of the struggles? Do I tell them about, say, human sexuality? Do I tell them about some of the dangers in the world? I don't want to cocoon them, but I don't want to lay too much on them. And finally, gentlemen, can I just share this with you? I don't know if you know this, but a lot of times a, a, a mother will have a very, very stressful day. A, a stressful day, and she, she just needs to come home and have an ugly cry or vent. Okay, and she comes home, gentlemen, and maybe you or your children have had a stressful day, and so instead of listening to her, what do we do? We vent our own day, and our children do too, which they're happy to do, but you know, guess who has never had someone listen to them? Mom. Mom. They will often put aside their own stressful day to listen to somebody else. Listen. Thank you, mothers, for everything you do. Thank you. I'll close with this. You know, if you go to the Capitol building in Washington, D.C., there's a statue of an African-American woman, a former slave. Anybody know who that is? Her name is Sojourner Truth. It's a cool name, Sojourner Truth. Black woman. She was a former slave in New York, sold several times, and as a slave, she was beaten on a daily basis by her owner. Strong woman. And so she became pregnant, had a child, and she knew that if, this, if the, her slave owner got a hold of this child, she'd never see her son again. So you know what she did? She took this newborn baby boy, she put him in a pillowcase, slung the pillowcase over her shoulder, and she started walking. <laughs> she just took off and started walking. No food, no place to stay, no plan. If they caught her, she would have been dead. But she started walking, and she went north. She was eventually freed. That young man became a man, that baby, Years later, in 1883, when Sojourner Truth was on her deathbed, now a grown man, her son comes to her and leans over, and she said, Son, please don't forget two things. Always have courage to speak the truth, even if people hate you for it. Quoting Jesus. And then she said this, she said, you were with me for a while, but you are not my child. I now give you back to the Lord because you belong to him all the while anyway. She said, go and be a good man. And she died. Sojourner truth. The truth is, moms and dads, your children are not yours. They are on loan to you, and you have to give them back. And they're going to make their own decisions. And some of those decisions have nothing to do with you. It's the circumstances they have in life, but they're going to learn. They're going to learn. It's just like when you were teaching these kids how to walk, and you said, come on, you can do this, and they fell. And sometimes as adults, they've got to do the same thing. We hold their hands for a while, but their hearts forever.